0: For the choir for all their work and effort they did. It's fantastic. Sorry, I left my I left my battery pack on for the whole week and it won't last long. So, uh, Bible, uh, I was about to make a joke in a minute. Um, my son leaned over to me a while ago and he said, You're still preaching? And uh, I think it was excitement, it was joy. Uh, so, I hope that you're not thinking things like, You're still preaching? I mean, come on. Uh, if you got a Bible, turn it to Luke chapter 2. I do want to share a brief word with you, uh, but I'm grateful for for Travis and the choir and all the special music that we had. Uh, I do want to share a brief word with you today as we look at joy. Uh, We lit the pink candle, the shepherd's candle, which is pink for celebration and honoring and excitement and anticipation for the coming of the Messiah. And so what I'd like to do today is to look at the traditional text of the shepherd's coming that was a part of our reading. Now, what is it about this joy? Joy and happiness, it's not the same thing. There's so many things that we kind of sometimes think it's the same. Um, But this, I've heard it put this way, where happiness can be so fragile, where it could literally be destroyed, smashed to pieces, but joy is not fragile. Happiness can be destroyed in a moment, and I I wrote a couple of things down because this is some of the stuff in my world where um, you could have a sick child and all of a sudden your happiness and your weakness goes, it's done. Stressed. That's kind of where we're at. We got a sick kid at the house, so it just kind of makes it stressful. And you're thinking of all time. Is there ever a good time to be sick and have somebody sick? It's not. It just makes life stressful. Maybe you're driving and you're happy, and then somebody cuts you off, and then your happiness is over. Uh, maybe you made the mistake like I've had, and maybe somebody like lured you to go to the mall, where I think all happiness is sucked away from you. Uh, I don't know why. I used, to, I used to want to go there when I was a kid, and the daughter I get, I'm like, Why would you on purpose, like, why would you go there? It's all those people there. Uh, maybe, maybe as a parent, maybe your kids can't ever find something on their own. Maybe you're married, and that spouse does that same thing over and over. That one thing that just drives you up the wall, that all of a sudden happiness is lost, it's gone for the day. Maybe you get to the end of the month, and money's tight, and you're stressed. I already talked about sickness. Maybe you have ambitions in life, things that you hope to come to fruition, but they just never do. And your happiness can be just destroyed. Maybe it's comparisons where you look around at other people and jobs and families, vocations, and you just feel like, I kind of wish I had what they had. I wish I had their life. I wish I could do what they're doing, and happiness can sometimes be lost or smashed. I love how Tim Mackey says this. Um, Tim Mackey says this, this biblical story of Jesus, it shows us how we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss and this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective of joy. Catch this, because this is important today. It is an attitude that God's people adopt. Not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promises. Now, that ought to create a little tension, because what that says, and I believe it's true, is that joy in Christ Jesus, it's a choice. It is a spirit-led, willful decision to say, I trust, I believe, I believe. God's got this. Now let me stand on the stage and tell you that when my life gets crazy and kids get sick, the week gets crazy, December, you, can't, can you can we possibly squeeze more in December ever? It's easy to get lost. And I'll be the first to admit that sometimes my joy, allows allow the world to dictate my joy because I don't want to choose that. I, I, I struggle with belief in that moment. So today in Luke chapter 2, I'm going to ask you to stand. We'll read our traditional text and we're going to go through it pretty quickly today. But I'm going to walk through... This good news of great joy of the coming of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus. I'm going to give you three things from that, and we'll see what God has for us. Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at 8 through 20 together. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that's going to be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, Shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen them, excuse me, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning all that they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what these shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all of the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they've been told. Let's pray together. For a moment, let's pray. Uh, We've had some great music and great worship today, uh, but let's just have a moment just to yourself, just to pray, reflect, ask God to show you something fresh and new from this very familiar text as we look at joy today. God, what indeed a joy it is to be here today. We come and we look at your word. We're going to see this this amazing story of these shepherds, of this good news and great joy of the coming of Christ the Lord, the Messiah. And God, maybe there's some in this room that are kind of like me sometimes. Our joy just kind of sometimes we allow it to, to be robbed from us. And maybe there's some in this room that are really struggling right now, that feel very joyful. Maybe this time of season, maybe it's hard, maybe it's the best it's ever been. Wherever we are, Lord Jesus, would you just meet us where we're at right here, right now, by your Spirit, would you change us, shape us, mold us, remind us of this good news and great joy we have in Christ. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated quickly, I'm going to give you three things, and they're on the screen for you. Uh, We're going to look today, we're going to see three things. We're going to see the announcement of joy, a response of joy, and the sharing of joy. No curveballs today. I'm going to give you three things, and I'm going to read a passage from Philippians that I feel has really kind of been a paradigm change for me when it comes to joy. Uh, But the first thing, if you look at this, is we see this announcement of joy, and we see these shepherds in verse 8, that they're living out in the fields nearby, and they're keeping watch over their flocks at night. And then an angel of the Lord it appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And obviously, comma, they were terrified. They screamed, they probably screamed like a bunch of schoolgirls. They were just, I mean, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and, and this birth announcement of the Messiah, Jesus, comes. We don't see any public fanfare, any public spectacle. It's out in a field with these shepherds. And you know this story. If you've read anything about this or any books or any sermons about these shepherds, the shepherds were the loneliest. Position you could possibly have. It was also the lowest position you could have. They had a a, a a very important job, but these shepherds were considered untrust trustworthy. Excuse me. They didn't even have a voice when it came to the court system. Shepherds showed up, they wouldn't even listen to them because nobody put stock in what they would say. And this, these normal blue-collar, common people, these would be the PR department of the coming of the Messiah. That God, in his infinite wisdom, would choose these shepherds to say, He's come go see. It's fascinating that this birth birth announcement happened this way and, and this beauty of the whole point that God still does that today. Society rates it on importance, beauty, education, popularity, power, ethnicity, possibly finances, talent, or gifting. And God seeks the forgotten, the downtrodden, the ones that society would reject and ignore. God still does that to this day. And we see this this beautiful thing take place, and they're terrified without question. And then we look at verse 10. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. Now, let me stop there for just a minute. If you go to the empty tomb, and you see when the Marys show up, there's a recurring theme when angels show up that the first thing out of their mouth is, it's okay. (laughs) They're scared to death. Something Anybody, if I ever try to articulate what this looks like, we don't know. But there's something about the overwhelming response for these angels when they show up on the scene that people are scared to death. They're freaking out a little bit. They're shocked, be it the tomb or be it out in this field. And the angels' first thing was not a response. They just see these shepherds and say, don't be scared. Why? Because I bring you good news of great joy. Today in the town of David, the Savior has been born. And listen to this. This is what he he is. Christ the Lord. Christ is not Jesus' last name. The anointed one, the holy one, the Messiah. Ready for this? The one you've been waiting for He's here. Now, we in the New Testament, we have all of this. We, we kind of, I hope we don't, we yawn at this. We know the whole story. But for these guys, they're being told by this angels after having their, well, their sandals knocked off, probably. that uh, They're blown away and said, hey, today it's happened. The Savior has been coming. He is Christ the Lord. And look at verse 12. This is the sign to that you're going to find. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And if that's not enough, verse 13 tells us that a great company of heavenly hosts, thousands upon thousands of angels, show up and they're praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. You see, they're terrified. They're out in this field. They're alone. They're watching their sheep. They're doing what shepherds do. And I picture these grown men, this unnumbered group of men that are out there, scared to death, Being blown away by this angelic host that comes and this birth announcement of the Messiah, Christ is come, and this is what you're going to find. Did you notice in this scripture that they are never told to go? They don't ever say, hey, go, go. Hey, this is what you're going to find. The automatic response of of these shepherds was to go. And they told them, this is what you're going to see in verse 12. Here's what you're looking for. This is what you're going to find. But let's look at their response, number two. This is the response when we get to verse 15. We see this announcement of joy, but look at verse 15 as we kind of get to the meat of the text here. When the angels left them, they've gone back into heaven. The shepherds looked at each other. They said, just picture the scene. It gets really bright, really crazy, really whatever you think it might be with this angelic thousands of angels come, and they're having a big worship fest for for baby Jesus that just showed up on the scene. And then they go back. It probably got really dark and really quiet. And what do they do? They do what you and I would do. You're gonna look at each other and be like, did that just happen? Did you they're forced to a decision? And what do they say? Look at verse 15. Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that had happened. Not let's see this thing that maybe have happened. Let's go, let's go scout it out. Let's go see. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord just told us about. They equated the angelic host with the Lord Himself giving them direction. And the response in verse 16, so they hurried off and they found Mary and they found Joseph and they found the baby who was lying in a manger. It was not a very, um, what's the way to say this? People back in the first century running wasn't a very popular, well not popular, it wasn't a very uh, thing of respect. If you ever read the prodigal son story where the prodigal son's father goes and runs after him, it was a sign of, men didn't do that. Like I can't do it because I got a bad knee. I would look silly and probably have to go to the hospital. But these guys, these these these, these shepherds, were, were so excited. They hurried off and they ran and they got there and they found everything that they were told. And I wonder, as I put myself on the text, as we go quickly, I wonder as I, what that what that journey was like. You see, read between the lines here. I wonder what that that conversation. We don't know how many miles it was. We don't know what it took. We don't know. I mean, we know scholars believe what they know a little bit about this, but wonder what that conversation would be like. Do you think that we're talking to each other, maybe reflecting on some of the prophecies they've been told? Would you bear with me for just a minute? What if, what if they're walking and one of the guys says, you know, I remember Isaiah said that the Lord himself is going to give us a sign that the virgin is going to give birth to a child, have a son. They're going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. That's 700 years before the birth of Christ. I wonder as they're walking, if they're reflecting on Micah 5, 2, which says, But to you, Bethlehem, though you were small among the clans, out of you will come one who will rule over all of Israel, whose origins are from old and ancient of days, 700 years before the birth of Christ. I wonder as these men are walking and they're talking, talking about this thing that happened, if they're reflecting on Jeremiah, the days are coming to clear the Lord that I'm going to raise up, To David, a righteous branch, it's a king who's going to reign wisely throughout all the land. And they get there, look at verse 17, and we're going to see not only their response, but their sharing of the joy. I can't imagine the joy they felt. I can't imagine them going and laying eyes on this baby and seeing it fulfilled. The prophecies foretold, all that they've been preparing for, all that they've been waiting for. It is here. He has come. And what is their response in verse 17? When they saw him, when they had seen him, what did they do? They spread the word concerning all that they've been told about this child. And they, they, they heard and were amazed, the people that heard this, at what these shepherds told them. And then we see Mary, she treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And these shepherds, in verse 20, they go back and they're glorified and praising God for all the things that they've heard and seen, which were just as they've been told. So what's the response of these shepherds? What are they doing with this joy they have? They are sharing it. And now, there's no curveballs today. This joy in Jesus Christ, we are to share with the world. Would you agree that we live in a world that is constantly, whether they say it or not, they're looking for some sort of hope and joy in the world? They are. They spread the word. They were glorifying and praising him. They told people what they had seen and heard. And people, listen to this, people were amazed. At these lowly shepherds telling them this story, they were amazed. But here's the question as I kind of land the plane here on the sermon. We have a, there's a non-believing world out there that is searching for hope and has little, if any, joy. And I said it earlier that joy is a willful, spirit-led, it's, a, it's, a, it's something we adopt, it's something that we choose because of, not circumstances, but because of the hope, love, promises of God. You see, I get convicted sometimes because I wonder, hear my heart on this, I wonder sometimes if a, Searching world finds joyless Christians. People that claim to identify with Christ as Lord, but they are miserable. A lady named Hannah Smith in the late 1800s wrote a book called The Christian Secret to a Happy Life. And listen to what she says. She says she had an encounter with somebody, and this, a non-believer, and this is what the non-believer told her. You Christians seem to have a religion that makes you miserable. You're like a person with a headache. He doesn't want to get rid of his head, but it hurts him to keep it. You can't expect outsiders to seek the very thing, seek very earnestly, excuse me, for anything so uncomfortable. Do you know what she's trying to say from the late 1800s? Her point is that we are here to have joy and show it. Now that convicts me, and maybe it doesn't land on you that way, but I think about the times in my life where I willfully choose and allow my circumstances to dictate my joy. It's hard. I told you a while ago when kids get sick and life gets stressful, it gets crazy. And if a non-believing person was to watch me, they would want nothing. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. They would want nothing of the Jesus that I preach about or talk about because of how stressed I get or how worried I get or how angry I can get. Maybe I'm not preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself. I don't think a lot's changed from the 1800s to 2023. A world that is searching for joy. And we as believers, as the light into the world, that we are ambassadors of this joy because we have placed our faith and our trust in this baby that came, as Joe said in the Advent, that didn't just come to be born in a manger, but to live a life and die for our sins. That's the good news. That's the gospel, which means good news. That's the good news of great joy that we have. And I'll close with this. And if you want to turn to the book of Philippians, I'm going to read a scripture to you and then we're going to pray and we're going to be done. But I want to share something with you. God kind of um, put this on me and I just want to share this. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul, um, he's writing from a prison cell and he's going to talk about rejoicing. And what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, I'd like to uh, read this over you and, and let it challenge you as well. Because what he's going to articulate is the same thing we've been talking about for Christmas. That joy is found in Christ and in Christ alone. But listen to what he says here. Philippians, it'll be on the screen. Philippians chapter 4. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious, David. Put my name in there. Don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And that peace that God gives will transcend your understanding. and It's going to guard your hearts and it's going to protect your mind In Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you have learned or received from me, put it into practice, David. Live it out. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, hear this. I rejoice greatly in you, in your renewed concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but have concerned, but have no opportunity to show it. Here's the, the most important part. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. But I've learned, hear this. I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned. There it is again. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or, well, or, or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You know this verse. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Now, as I close this, and we're about to be done, I want you to think about this. I've said, I've I've preached on this text before, this is not about overcoming obstacles. This has been pulled, this verse about, I can do all things through Christ. It's not about overcoming. Nothing about this is overcoming. What this is about is about being satisfied here in this church. Jesus is enough. For Paul sitting in a prison cell, he's enough. I've got to say this to myself, when kids get sick and life gets stressful, he is enough. And it allows me, by his spirit, to say, I choose I choose, I choose to have joy. Now look right at me this morning. I have seen this and I'm almost done. I have seen this bottled by so many people even in this room today. I've seen it in the hospitals. I've seen it in the hallways. I've seen it in prayers where people gather to pray for their friends. I've seen it in Sunday school classes. I've seen it in my office with, with people shedding tears. I've seen people hold fast to joy when nothing in this world would show them be happy, but there's something holding them up because he's enough. I contend today that true and lasting joy is when we look and we say, he's sufficient. He's enough. God's got this. And there may be somebody here today, life may be stressing you out a little bit, and maybe you just need to be reminded of this good news of great joy that has come for us for this holiday season. But right now in 2023, You need to be reminded that he's enough for you. So I'm going to ask you to bow where you're at just for a minute. The invitation's going to be a little different. We're not going to stand and sing as the bulletin said. I'm just going to let them play. And here's what I just want to do. I just want you to pray. I've said this so many times. This season is so busy and going. And I just want to give you literally just a minute or two just to sit. And then I'm going to pray and we're going to be done. If you're struggling with joy today, would you just confess that to him? If all is right in your world, would you praise him for that? Maybe there's people in this world that are looking to you and they're hoping to see joy. You pray, and then I'll close this up.